Welcome back, everyone, to a new Globazan podcast. Uh, myself, Ariala Verdi. Uh, I'm joined by um, my two colleagues, uh, Pasha Hajian and Pejman Pars. How are we doing, guys? Well, first, I'm doing very well. Uh, we're going to talk about it. Uh, many congrats to, you know, Pejman, a new member to the family. <laughs> um, so... So, many congrats, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Yeah, uh, we have a new Golbeza member uh, ready to steer things up. So, there we have it. I don't have any news on my end, but I'm um, looking forward to talking to you guys today. No, Pasha, don't be humble. Um, could you tell us what you did, like, was it yesterday? Uh, <laughs> Wednesday or Thursday, you were uh, on a meeting. Can you even talk about that online, or is it... Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, so some people might know, some people might not know. I'm a law student. I got an offer as a second year law school student in America to work for a law firm yesterday in L.A., sports and entertainment media, which relates to everything Gold Bazan pretty much is. So that's pretty exciting. I appreciate that. And uh, hopefully I'll do good enough to give me a permanent offer to work for them. But nonetheless, uh, the most important aspect than this is talking about Team Medley. Fantastic guys, fantastic. And um, obviously, just from me, um, obviously we're, we're very, very active on Twitter, and we've been, you know, probably the most active on social media from that that platform. Uh, and today we managed to reach um, a, a milestone of uh, three thousand followers, which is fantastic because it's something that uh, you know we've been striving for, aiming for, and we've got it. So we all we appreciate that from you know bottom of our hearts yeah. from everyone. Um, okay, we'll start the podcast because uh, it's been a long time. It's been about three or four months since we did the last one. Of course, uh, before we start off with the obvious um, um, topic of the Hong Kong game that was uh, on Tuesday, uh, we're going to speak about the uh, recent uh, unfortunate death of uh, Saar Khodayari, who passed away, uh, you know, because she burnt, burnt herself in front of the court um, in, her, in Tehran uh, as a result of her getting a, a, a suspected, a suspected six-month um, jail sentence for entering a stadium uh, for an Esteghlal match. Um, obviously, we know in Iran over the over the decades, many many decades, women in Iran are not able to watch. Uh, matches at the stadiums and unfortunately there are uh, repercussions if they do that um, and this uh, lady uh, unfortunately got the, the wrong side of it and she and uh, ended up um, actually you know uh, taking her own life um, so uh, and obviously we've had people from Barcelona uh, Chelsea Football Club Roma, who have come out on Twitter and they've given their condolences, and Gary Lineker. Um, how, what do you guys think of this? You know, obviously it's been decades and nothing's really happened. Yes, we had a bit of success recently with some. Some is a is the important word to use. Women uh, that that were able to enter the game against, I think it was South Korea or not South Korea against Syria, if I'm not mistaken, um, or maybe before that. Um, but they were able to enter a, a, a match, but that's a, that's a very small start. You know, we've seen other sports able to let women in, but football's kind of been the same for many, many decades. Pasha, what do you think? 
I honestly do believe that unfortunately sometimes uh, tragic news like this needs to occur that people need to wake up in order to do something. I mean, we know that President Infantino of FIFA, he he traveled down to Iran a few months ago for the derby. And I mean, a lot of people were excited about that because they thought things were changed. But I always see FIFA as hiding their true identity as a way to basically say that we'll try our best. But we tried, you know. What was more appalling to me was the fact that they just put out a tweet, a basic generic tweet that all of us could do. Not with an official statement, coming up with a plan or anything to officially declare it upon their website what they're going to do. Um, but we all know the issues that we have internally and outside of Iran. I mean, it's, I mean, how, where do you even begin with this tragic news? You know, a girl pretty much my age, unfortunately, that just took her life by just doing that just for the love of the game. Um, it's appalling. It's tragic. It's, I mean, I can't even imagine what the parents are going through. Um, but things do need to change. I mean, I know the sport ministry said that for the Iran versus Cambodia game prior to this incident that they're going to allow females into the stadium. Now, I think that's going to be definitely definite. But it's just, it's just so sad that something like this needed to happen for there to be backlash. But the most important thing I would say right now is that I really appreciate like the former players. Uh, saying that we should boycott the stadium, that men shouldn't enter the stadium, just a way to, you know, show awareness that we care about the situation. Um, the biggest issue out of all is just FIFA incompetence. I mean, it's it's unbelievable that nothing has been changed, you know. And uh, I mean, we're powerless. I mean, what do we say? You know, I mean, it's just every time I think about the situation, it's just unbelievable to me that somebody went to that extent of their lives to basically show how much they want to enter a stadium. And, um, I mean, there's not much for me to honestly say as much as say sending yeah. our condolences, which, I mean, why should we even do that? I mean, what's the point of us always saying, oh, let's our send our condolences to the family and stuff that over and over again. I think there needs to be a change, you know. And, and uh, in terms of um, Tejman, like in terms of making a change, what can FIFA do? You know, what can FIFA I mean, of course, FIFA have their guidelines for for what women's women's rights. You know, they can enter stadiums. Of course, they have to enter stadiums. It's it's, it's human right. They have to do it. It should be part of every country. But what can FIFA do to change this? FIFA should simply ban Iran from all competitive games uh, that FIFA and the AFC are holding, uh, and also the league itself. Uh, uh, you can say that it's like a collective punishment, but then again, we already have a collective punishment for the women not being able to enter the stadiums. If this means that Iran will miss the, uh, the World Cup, the Asian Cup, uh, uh, playing important games uh, for preparing themselves for the future, I think it's, it's a really, really lo- low price to pay if it means that the uh, Iranian women are allowed to enter the stadiums. Uh, unfortunately, uh, as Pasha said, uh, you know, we can't really uh, trust FIFA on this one because FIFA itself is in a lot of mess, like almost daily. They have massive problems themselves uh, uh, for like uh, 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 bribing and uh, getting uh, paying for the World Cup in 2022 in Qatar and they have uh, not taken racism seriously and like uh, instead of that like yeah, you, I think you've seen it daily and like 
racist abuses get very low fines, but if you somehow have um, you mess with a sponsor or, or have another logo or a, a brand that's not FIFA approved, then you get severe punishment. So money talks as usual. Uh, so how can we make this an issue for uh, with, with uh, money talks that maybe can interest FIFA? Um, but, you know, it's a shame because um, we look at things like this, you know, this has been, it's not, this is not a new thing. This is, first of all, this has been happening for many, many decades. Women cannot enter stadiums in Iran. This has been happening for a very long, it's not new, but it's a shame that somebody has to die in order for something to happen. It's a shame that somebody has to take their life in order for an organization as big as FIFA to actually not even react, but to actually even uh, comprehend that there's a change has to happen. You know, somebody should not have to kill themselves in order for the whole country to change. This is not this is not how uh, society has to work. And like you say, Pejman, if money is going to talk, then that's that's the way it's going to be. But it's you know money. Money can only go so far, you know. <laughs> Iran, Iran can certainly, you know, if they want to, they can invest in their football, but they're not doing it because they they have the money, but they're not going to do it. So something yeah. has to happen. What, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, one last thing, FIFA have been to Iran as uh, Posh said. Infantino was in Iran and they were talking about uh, this issue before, and uh, the president of Iran and the football federations present too. They have all talked about this issue and like taking small, small steps, but the steps are invisible at the moment. Yeah, and I mean, it, absolutely. Like you say, it's invisible. They, 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 they'll, they'll, sorry, they'll identify it as an issue, but whether they actually make an impact on fixing it, no, because somebody has to die first. You know, that's the, that's the thing. You yeah. Know? And right now, nothing has changed. Iranian women are still not allowed to enter the stadiums. Uh, the Iranian league have just started again after the international break. Nothing has changed. And uh, this is one thing with Iranian politics that I don't want to go into too much, but I think it's necessary that uh, these issues are for the Iranian people, for the Iranian women inside of Iran. And I do believe that the best and the real struggle is made inside of Iran with the people that are actually active instead of what you can say, the, the international uh, community. But you cannot underestimate or uh, the, you cannot underestimate or don't care about the international community. Because hopefully what this brought, uh, what this tragic event brought us is that uh, the rest of the world is now watching Iran. They're watching them closely. Will this continue or not? Uh, or how much do we need to feel ashamed of this? I personally really, really, I do believe that something will happen. Will it happen anytime soon? I don't really think so. I think the, the Football Federation uh, will have some time until 
the next international break, and that's like in November, if I'm not mistaken. In October or November, I don't really, really remember. Uh, what will happen then? Iran will have the first uh, home game in the World Cup qualifiers. Will they allow Iranian women there or not? will be interesting to see, and what will they do? Personally, I don't have nothing against uh, Iran missing out in the World Cup for this issue. Uh, but that's that. Let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. Um, so, uh, let's go to this, this squad that Carlos Kira, uh, not Carlos Kiroz, <laughs> we've been used to, used to seeing his name, <laughs> uh, that Mark Wilmot uh, called up for the um, Hong Kong game um, that was played on Tuesday uh, in Hong Kong. Um, so I'll just quickly go through the squad itself uh, and we can maybe just pick out a couple of names. Um, so the goalkeepers that he called up were Bayron Vand, Hossein Hosseini and Mazaheri. The centre-backs that he called up were Purari Ganji, Majid Hosseini, uh, Hossein Kanoni and Siovash Yazdani. Um, he called up Mirad Mohammadi, Reza Ayan, Ghafuri and then the first call-up um, for his full national team, uh, Mohamed Naderi. For the full-backs and then the midfielders, we had Hoy Safi, Omid Ibrahimi, Ahmad Nurullahi and Ali Karimi. Um, and our attacking players, we had Jaumbash, uh, Torabi, Dejaga, Shojoi, Amiri, uh, Osmoon, um, Sayad Manish, and Ansari Fard. Uh, I think Tarimi was called up initially, but then he got injured. And obviously, Kodus, um, as Pejman maybe we'll touch on quickly, he was banned for um, the issue with the deal with Huesca, etc. So, uh, we'll just quickly touch on maybe just one or two players. Uh, actually, in relation to the Twitter questions, Hossein Kanoni has been called up quite a lot recently. Uh, what do we think about him? Do you, do you think his position is still useful in the team? Is he still somebody that you can consider like a third-choice centre-back? Obviously, he started against Hong Kong. What's his um, What's his role? Oh, and that, that question was asked by our good friend, uh, Team Melly Talk, Art, who I met this weekend. Uh, so, what do we think about Kanoni? Yeah, I mean, I'll take this one, then Pejman could speak. Um, listen, I always saw it as Kanani as more of a backup center back. I don't really rate him, to be honest with you. I think he's a very mediocre center back. I'm pretty sure if we played against a pacey team, especially number nine, that is uh, ex- extremely on par with pace, that he's going to just rip him apart in shreds. Um, and listen, uh, the thing I do want to say is that, I mean, how good of a center back, honestly, Mortis Opurana Ganji, is that he could build a partnership with Kanani, if that makes sense. You know, if Kanani is out of depth, I'm most likely would, uh, therefore, I would believe that Mortis Opurana can't cover him. You know, as much as I believe I have more trust right now in Majid Hosseini, let's say I see him as, as much as, let's say, if a center back, like Kanani is doing a bad job, I still believe that. Imagine what I was saying, he will do a good in the job of covering up as opposed to more superadic Ganji, and that's more of the attitude and everything I've seen. The biggest things that even under Carlos Kiroz and even now is that we don't, we have the lack of depth we have in center backs. Obviously, and now it's, this is, could be public information, is that on behalf of Golbezan, we did set up a meeting for Ryan Tafazoli at the time that Carlos Kiroz was at the helm when they were looking at Ryan Tafazoli, just never, nothing happened. 
I'm not going to name which staff member saw him. They visited him. They spoke to him. They even went to a game. But unfortunately, the player got injured for a while, and there was no interest after that. Is Are they going to do that now? Is he a player under their vision? I've been told they have are looking at him. I mean, uh, how in-depth, that's question. You know, Petersburg for all the way now to the championship with Hall City, they should consider him. Is he going to be a good player for the national team? Obviously, there's question marks, but I do believe everybody should be given a chance. I mean, he definitely would be an upgrade in my eyes than Kanoni. It's not that I don't rate Kanoni. For me, it's just more of the fact that is that why don't we try to bring, let's say, a player like Iman Salimi. I mean, I don't know if his uh, move to uh, this Greek club has materialized yet, but for me, it's just more of the fact that we have an issue in center back that I don't really trust more to put like Ganji all the time, you know. I, he, I feel like he even feels more comfortable playing with Majid Hosseini. Majid Hosseini is pretty young. He still hasn't adapted into that natural role as he has done for his club, and that's predominantly because of his injuries. And I know you'd rate him very highly, Arya, and now I could see why you'd rate him because I discussion with Mark. Uh, with, excuse me, Winfrey Schaefer at the time, he was head of SFL coach. He, he was a specific person. He told me that he thinks he'll be... Uh, in Europe, but just to cut it short, I don't rate Kanoni, and um, I don't think he's the future. He, I, I'm pretty sure even Mark Wilmos and his staff members do see him as a backup, you know. But I do, as of right now, I do believe that our center backs, if you play Magic Hosseini, I'm more to support like Ganji at center back. Uh, you touched on Iman Salimi just uh, very quickly there. The other center back that was called up was Siobash Yazdani, who's been playing quite well for Estegol and had a good season for Sepahan last season. Um, and he's quite good. But I think Iman Salimi is... The, is if you haven't seen him play, he, he's very, very... Um, he's very he, when, he, when, he, when he was younger, when he was un, un, playing in the U17s for Iran, him and Majid Hosseini were considered some of the most talented center backs of their generation that kind of time. Um, but he's grown into a much, much more complete centre-back over the last couple of years. And when he was at Parsa Junubi, he had a very good season. And even this season with Tirato Sazi, he's been fantastic. Um, he was considered to get called up. Unfortunately, Siobash Yazdani got the call up ahead of him. But I think that you're right with Kanani just being a little bit off the pace. Um, uh, OK, so uh, we'll come we'll come on to, to centre-back defence later on. Uh, one question I've got for Pejman. Obviously, Syed is at Allah. He didn't get called up this time around. Um, obviously, we know how good he is. He's a fantastic player as at Allah. You know, at the World Cup, he was one of our most influential players in the in the next in the second in the second and third game. Um, at the moment, we've got Omid Ibrahimi, who's now at the same club as him in Belgium. What what do we think about Izatolahi? What's going to happen with him in, in in five years' time, in four years' time? Is he going to make the World Cup? Is he going to be the kind of player that we want, or are we going to be stuck with Nurullahi and Ali Karimi as as the kind of younger guys in that midfield? Yeah, uh, isn't I think Izatolahi uh, is younger than both of them. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I know, of course, but I'm saying like, will he keep on? Getting better or what? Will will it just yeah. kind of stagnate or what? Yeah, he left. Uh, he uh, he didn't have a good spell in uh, reading due to injury, uh, and thank God that he left Russia. Uh, he was playing for these low teams and had some you know lack of game time. Uh, I do believe uh, a league like Belgium could be good for him. It's good competition. Uh, the best teams in Belgium. Are probably as good as the best teams in Russia, uh, more or less. Maybe the Russians are 
bit better in uh, in the top, but uh, all in all, uh, it's really good for him to to gain some experience because I do believe not only will he become uh, be vital for the team Melee uh, for the upcoming World Cup, uh, he's uh, captain material, and we saw that as you said in the World Cup when he wa- he was amazing. Because something I always <laughs> I, I believe that as I thought they have lacked was the uh, his speed. Uh, caught the best of him and made him get a lot of unnecessary yellow cards because he was kind of e- easy to 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 dribble uh, but in the world cup and I, I was really surprised how good he was and i do believe that uh, we missed him badly in the asian cup maybe that was one of the reasons that iran didn't make it to the final who knows uh, as a totally probably is his own biggest enemy, if you ask me. Uh, I mean, he's got this amazing, really good hype at a young age, but if you look at his stats in the uh, at club level, it's not really that, that impressive. Uh, and this is something that we deal with a lot of young Iranian players. No matter how good they are, the hype can be a little bit too much. So he needs to show for, to himself most uh, mostly that he is that player that a lot of people do to see in him and that the, the potential he have that college Kiros saw and took him out uh, in the national squad with where uh, when he was really really young that's the side that totally I hope we can see in Belgium and hopefully he won't get injured because that's something that's been bugging him a lot and he's only like what 22 years old or something like that so it's time for him to to show his potential. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think that uh, he's a guy who, you know, maybe in six years' time, seven years' time, he should be one of the captains of the team, you know, because of the position he plays. Um, he's, he, he's not maybe the personality for it yet, but he he can. He can get to that level. Um, Can I say uh, one yeah. quick thing before we move on, which is very interesting to me, and I want to get your thoughts on this, guys, is that if you guys remember prior to the other previous World Cup qualifiers, I believe even before prior we played Turkmenistan, Carlos Kero solely invited Saeed Zatolai because he just thought this kid is naturally talented. Saeed Zatolai hasn't played in many matches because of his injury or because he was moving clubs. But Mark, Mark Wilmot didn't even call up Amir Abedzadeh and him. And I think that's solely because of playing time. So it's kind of an interesting distinction to make that in the fact that if you're playing, I think he's going to call you up. But what's interesting to me is that side, as I told you at the time, Carlos Kairos, he had no club. We didn't know what his future. He was still getting called up and he was starting. So it's interesting to me to see that despite the fact that side, as I told you, is such a talented player and Mark Wilmot knows that, he still didn't call him up because his future was still uncertain. He wasn't playing. So I found that really unique, distinguished mm. between the two. And yeah, it's the same with um, like somebody like Dejargah, for example, who wasn't playing and he was still getting called up. And I think that's the difference between coaches. You know, I think I think that will actually happen over time. Uh, I think give Wilmot if he stays for like three or four years' time, I think you'll kind of you kind of notice that he'll, he'll start doing that as well. Because national team coaches tend to have favourites. I think. Um, Wilmot's kind of going with the pers- sort of character that like he, he has no favourites just now but give him three or four years I think he will start to do the exact same thing um, because but at the moment I think it's fair I think it's fair because right now 
you have to be playing national team level is, is not is no joke. You have to be having our best players, our fittest players playing. And at the moment, I think it's a good thing for him to do. But I think if you give him three or four more years, I think he will start to be the same as Kairos in terms of he will call up players, don't play for the clubs, etc. Um, but yeah, you, it's a good point. Like Abizad is not playing for Maritimo. Should he be getting called up? I mean. I don't know, you know, because is playing regularly. Um, yeah, you know, Niazman and Hosseini are playing regularly. They're doing okay, whereas he's not even playing a game. So, you know, you have to make a judgment call on that. It's, it's what kind of coach you are, what kind of player you want, what kind of level you want them to be at, fitness-wise, etc. Um, the, the last point I want to make um, on this squad just before we kind of go on to the, the Hong Kong uh, game, uh, is one player that's kind of been in and out of, of the squad uh, over the last maybe two years is uh, Ali Qolizadeh, somebody who, like, we know he's a great player. He's got fantastic ability. He's got great understanding of, you know, wing play, coming inside, creating chances, scoring goals. He's been in Europe for, I think, just over a season and a half. You know, I think Qolizadeh is a guy that we need in the national team. The wingers that we had in this call-up that he made was Jahanbash, Torabi, and, like, Vahid Amiri and Dejaga. You know, and Vahida, I mean, they're good players. I'm not saying they're bad players. They're, they're good. They've played in Europe for many, many years. But when does it when does it come when you're gonna say to your when you're gonna say I have a, I've got a winger playing for my national team and he's 33 years old. You know what I mean? Wingers need to be young people. They have to be quick, energetic, fast, creating chances, and they have to be able, be able to play at a top level. You know, Dejargan when he was playing in, against Japan, etc., even against China, I don't. He they weren't as he wasn't as impressive as he was against the the, the lower ranked teams in the Asian Cup. There there comes a point where these players need to be not not you know I'm not saying they should be called up, but there has to come a point where these guys have to kind of start going eventually. Mertad Mohammadi is playing in Portugal. He scored three goals. We have to get these guys in. We have to start getting these guys in because th- this national team, Kairos always said it, this national team is not a, t- a team where um, there's th- doors always open. You have to open doors for these players. And uh, like like you were saying about Kanani, if he's not playing good, why are you playing him? You know, and it's like we have to start progressing these players and bringing in new players. Um, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on to the... Oh, yeah, can I just say something yeah. really quick about yeah. the squad and then we can move on? Sure. Uh, I, I think the time will come when the generation change and these old players, I think they will leave. I, I'm not that worried, to be honest. I think it's kind of smart of uh, Wilmot's not uh, removing influential players such as Maso Chujai just yet. Uh, maybe he will understand that it's time for him to leave. Yeah, soon enough anyway, or maybe he will just you know in in good time get the cut. You know, starting off as a uh, new coach and cutting off these these players could put some pressure on you that you don't need at this moment. And playing against teams like Hong Kong and Cambodia and Bahrain, you you can manage with that squad anyway. So I, I do believe that put a 
next round of the qualifiers starting next autumn. Hopefully, we, we have a more uh, solid squad uh, with the, those players out. And this also made me think about when uh, Ali Dai became the head coach of the national team. Uh, by then, his, uh, I won't say his enemy, but Reza uh, Enoyati uh, was in the national team then. And he and a lot of other players felt like they missed their spot in the national team because of Ali Dai was a striker a bit too long, maybe three, four years at least played when he shouldn't have played. Yeah, what the first thing Ali Dai did when he took over the, the team was that he let Reza NIT actually play. I believe he even started uh, a game or two when Ali Dai was in charge. So the, it was a smart move from him because it, it didn't look like it was personal and NIT couldn't do anything. And when he got the cut, nobody uh, said why and asked uh, for NIT. Maybe that would be the case with Masoud and Ashkan and maybe even Omid Ibrahimi too because and Vahid Amiri. So we'll see. That was that. Uh, you can continue. <laughs> um, no, you're right. And obviously, Pejman Montazeri took, took the initiative and he retired. You know, so hopefully, not, I'm not saying they should retire, but hopefully there comes a point where the sort of old guard. Um, <laughs> they go to their uh, the clubs and they, they kind of let, let the national team become a bit more youthful. Um, okay, so just the game itself. Uh, we, we all watched the game. Um, the, the game ended 2-0 to Iran. The goals coming from Sadar Osman and Kaiman Sarifard. Um, not much to say from Hong Kong. They created a couple of chances. There were times where our defence didn't look particularly organised. bit worrying against a team like Hong Kong. Um um, you know, we we sort of saw some glimpses of of maybe not so you know from Jalen Bash in particular. He wasn't sharp. That could be down to not having much game time. Yes, he got the assist, but he wasn't particularly on the ball. He wasn't really getting on the ball as much. It, you know, he didn't look good in my opinion. And from Sardar Osmond, we saw we seen him because he's playing so much. How much he got on the ball, you know. Uh, we expect the complete opposite because uh, Jalen Bash is more of a deeper player. He's a winger, whereas Osmond's a striker, you know. But he got on the ball way more than Jalen Bash did. Um, he was like, almost like a playmaker at some time. So uh, it kind of sh- it kind of showed who was kind of fit, who was not fit, who was match fit, who was playing regularly for the club, and you can tell who's not. Um, what do we think about the game? How, what do we think about particularly, you know, our attacking in an attacking sense? against a team like Hong Kong, what did we see that we were impressed by, uh, Pasha? I mean, initially it was very critical, as you guys know. Um, I thought we were very wasteful, to be honest, like we were forcing a lot of things. But then when I thought about it a little bit more, I was just like, you know, it was a long travel, the humidity, you know, playing in a time that, you know, there's a lot of interesting things are unfolding in Hong Kong by itself because of the protests in regards to human rights and everything. But one thing that really caught my attention was I think Rami Rezaian is the most happiest player out of all these guys. <laughs> That's more because he always sees himself as a really attacking player. And I think Mark Wilmot's basically letting these guys attack and attack and for him to go on and down up the pitch, I think was the most interesting to see in the sense that, like, 
I mean, obviously, this was Hong Kong, and it was expected for us to beat them by three or four goals, uh, even though the result was 2-0, is that I do believe that there are signs of attacking football. Even Bob Goldie said it on this podcast that we don't necessarily know what kind of center identity this team is going to have, but the identity so far is that this is not going to be a very compacted uh, team. You know, it's going to be more of a free-flowing team. But then again, as we saw, guys, as we saw, Hong Kong had nearly uh, equalized many couple of times. One of those mistakes from our center back could have resulted into, you know, so so that's the that's the thing is that I don't know how attacking Wilmot is going to really with this team because if we're playing this attacking, the downfall to that is our defense. And as we saw, we didn't really do a good job. I mean, which player really stood out? I mean... Honestly, I couldn't tell you, but, I mean, Osmond keeps scoring, so that's always good to see. He's been freaking fantastic for his club. Probably arguably the best striker right now in the Russian league. Um, there's been talks even about that. But, um, Anna, what's your takes on it, guys? I mean, what did you think about it, Pejman? Well, uh, I one thing that stuck in my mind was the thing you said about Osmond. He was, he was, you know, like a central midfielder going down... Uh, getting the ball and then moving up. I don't know if that was something that Wilmot have told him or it was due to his high confidence that he wanted to be uh, involved in the in the startup of the of the game or uh, what was the main reason of that. Uh, you know, that kind of thing might work against Hong Kong, but when we play against Iraq or even, you know, Bahrain, um, I don't know if that's such a good idea because Sadar Osman, although he's really good in front of the goal, but being a playmaker from the beginning, that's why we have Saeed Ezzatolai. That's why we have Omid Ebrahimi, Ehsan Hajsafi, even Ali Karimi. Uh, let those guys do what they can do the best. Um, I don't know about this. I think like... Uh, uh, Osman wanted wanted to do everything and be involved. Uh, it's just a game uh, against Hong Kong. I don't know how much you can take from it. Uh, as you said, they had a couple of chances to score, but it, it's a football of 90 minutes. Uh, sooner or later, you all have some opportunities. Uh, Iran should have scored a couple of more goals, sure, but I, I never felt that Tim Lee was threatened uh, in, in during the entire game, of course, there were two opportunities. Now, that happens. Now, a question I have for both of you guys is that obviously we know that it's been a very difficult time for either the John Bash for the club. Uh, he's playing for Brighton FC. Uh, as we all know, it's a team that is top tier in the English Premier League. A uh, new coach, the same coach that had a great spell, uh, you know, when Salman Godus was playing for him, Graham Potter. Uh, he's been a little tough on the player, and that's because why he just wants to see how much he wants it. And um, what did you guys really make out of his performance? I know he assisted um, to for the second goal to Harry Mansardi Fire, if I'm not mistaken. Is um, what did you guys think about him? I mean, he, I sometimes realize even it's a great point that Pedro made that sometimes I was always dropping back in the midfielder, and then I would see that there's a John Bash that would shift as a false nine. You know, was he, is he, is that like a sort of role that he might potentially play as opposed to confused players? You know, Osmond dropping back and he got, you know, Adrian Jamal playing as a false sign like he did sometimes for Azad Alkmar. I mean, it's interesting, but what did you guys think of his performance and what, what do you think about Adrian right now? Um, 
I think the, the first of all, the thing with Osmond, I think Osmond's position in that game was very much down to him having tons of space. And and because they were sitting so deep, he had to come into midfield and receive the ball. Um, but I think, speaking about Jaron Bash, um, it's, uh, it's a tough situation for him at Brighton. He's not playing. Um, and, you know, as a professional footballer, you, you have to be playing regularly to, to get your fitness levels up, you get your match, match fitness up. But for him, uh, it's not a problem because he's a fit, he's a naturally, you know, fit guy. He's going to be training in the training ground, you know, to, to, for four matches. But uh, you could tell that he wasn't particularly uh, ready to get on the ball every single time, you know, because he, he, he didn't have that match match fitness, as they call it in, in football. You know, you, you, you're not ready to, to receive the ball all the time. And you can see he was kind of, he was shyer than he was in regular. If you watch the game against um, Syria, he played in Tehran. Um, he was pretty much everywhere. He played as a, he was playing on the left, on the right, behind a striker. He was kind of you know rotating everywhere. Whereas against Hong Kong, he kind of he was kind of stuck to the right hand side, um, the kind of way we see him for Brighton, and he was looking a little bit unmotivated in some ways. Not I'm not saying, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to hate on him. I'm just trying to say what I saw. And also, the goal that he created for for Karimhan Sarifard, that's what we want to see. We want to see him do that. We want to see him not be afraid of taking on the fullback and getting crosses in the box, where something he doesn't really do as often as he should. And if he does, you know, he'll, he'll create goals. So he has to become more confident, more, um, you know... You know, you, you'll have to be a player who wants to get on the ball. Because if you don't in the Premier League, you cannot hide. If you hide, you won't get you won't get a pass. You know, and I think that's something that he has to try and learn as a young player. Still, you know, just be more confident. Just try and get on the ball because even against Hong Kong, you're gonna struggle. You know, so um, yeah, he has to do more, but he will get there. I'm sure he will. I don't have much to to add. Actually, I agree with uh, almost everything that Arya said. And we need to, we or Mark Wilmots need to bring out the best out of Jahan Bash, and hopefully uh, his confidence in England will boost when he gets some more playing time. Okay, um, so I think we're pretty much done with the analysis. There wasn't really much else in, in the game. Yes, we got two goals. Yes, they had a few chances, but other than that, it was pretty much, you know, it was one way, it was one way for Iran. They they had to win the game. The thing we'll go on to next, uh, just to finish off this podcast, um, is just some Twitter questions. So, uh, the one question we got here for us is, how do you feel we played defensively? Yeah, great question. I mean, listen, Iran isn't a team that is disciplined in all aspects of the game, right? So under Carlos Kiros, we're very disciplined in the back, but then obviously, you know, we always had hard time scoring, you know, which tends to be some issue that we always tend to have. Now we are attacking, but then what's going to be the downfall to that is, you know, uh, mistakes in the back. I think when that situation gets fixed, you know, and, and let's not forget, guys, this these players are getting used to a new style of team. They're probably still in the Carlos Kiros mentality of play compact, 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 and now as we see. 
they got to get used to this attacking style of game, you know, and these center backs, especially even our midfielders, how well are they going to play compact? You know, there's got to be a lot of, you know, leadership in the department for them to have, you know, talking to one another, what to and what not to do. There's always going to be repercussions regardless. But like uh, Pejman pointed out, is that how are we really going to play against the likes of, you know, Iran and Bahrain, you know? That's what's interesting to me. You know, obviously anybody would predict us to win this match, even if we play with our B team. And that's no offense to Hong Kong. It's just how things are. But um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that would shape up. Obviously, see where Mehdi Tarami really fits into the team. Is he going to play him as, you know, alongside Osman? Or is he going to play him as a left winger? Because he's been on brilliant form for his new club in Portugal. And he's been, I would say, the most informed player for us in the national team. And what a big loss he was in the Asian Cup semifinal against Japan. So there's a lot of question marks, obviously. But, you know, then comes down to if we're going to attack, what's going to be the basis for the defending? And as we saw, we make a lot of silly mistakes. And uh, if it was another team, if it was Iran or Bahrain, I promise you they, they would have scored. Yeah, um, but I've got to say... Um, Majid Hosseini was uh, was very good, <laughs> as usual. <laughs> um, I was almost surprised that he didn't show up sooner. Uh, yeah. Enough. Okay, final question. Actually, this is just for myself to, to Pejman. Um, we've mentioned him a few times on the podcast. We saw what happened to him um, recently with Samon Kodus. Of course, he got banned from um, all footballing activity. What's happening with, with them, uh, Pejman? Well, someone isn't in a good place uh, regarding football. As we all know, uh, he got his major fine from uh, FIFA, 4 million euros, uh, and uh, a ban from all football in four months. Uh, and f- uh, from my knowledge, what I understand is that... Uh, they will, uh, they won't accept this, so to say. Uh, so they will, what do you say in English? Appeal it, Mister. Yeah, yeah, they'll appeal it. Yeah, they'll appeal it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're gonna appeal it. Yeah, because, and and here's one thing. I think they know that they have they have they have made a mistake and that's wrong. But I do believe that they think that the fee that they got, the, the, the punishment, is way too hard. So. Um, I believe that they will try to appeal it to make it instead of four months, just make it two months. And the the fee here of four million euros, is it really correct that it should be someone or uh, it should be his former club or is it just too much in general? Because of my knowledge, I don't know if any player have gotten such a high penalty fee from FIFA. Uh, so, but you know, uh, I don't know much more, to be honest. Uh, I talked a little bit with someone and his agent, and they, they, you know, want to ride out the storm quite calmly and don't really want to interact with with media or do any statements, which, in my opinion, is is wrong. It's a big uh, mistake. Yeah, it's a big mistake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think it's good that they don't go out and say that, yeah, we're innocent or, or anything like that, because obviously there seems to be enough proof. But they need to be a little bit more diplomatic and need to show themselves, because right now they're like, 
the main stars of a movie that they are not even able to do anything about, you know, the characters are written uh, by their enemies, so to speak, and they just deal with it. Uh, and someone and his agents, or no matter how good they are and what they've done, it doesn't look good when you do this with the Huesca deal, although his agent wasn't involved. And that's another story. Why did he, why did you do this without your agent, someone? And also almost going to Brentford and then canceling it. Why did that even become news, you know? That shouldn't be, uh, become uh, come to the media's attention at all if you're almost close to signing. Because we all know that clubs and players, they negotiate all the time. But we don't know it until the, like, the very last day or when something is announced. It looks... It doesn't look good. Uh, he looks unprofessional as a football player and with the relationship with, he has with his agents. So he's in, uh, he will miss probably the next World Cup qualifier, which I now checked it. It's the 10th of September. Sorry, October. Uh, home game against Cambodia. So first of all, will there be any females attending to the, uh, in the stadium? Second, uh, will someone be a part of that squad? I don't think so, because the appeal will take some time. Uh, and he's losing his place in the national team. That's a really pity because of this. Uh, we'll see what happens. And if I got any more news, uh, I will do my best to, to let you guys know. Uh, fantastic. So, as you just touched on there, uh, our next matches are against Cambodia on the 10th of October. And the 15th of October against Bahrain. Matches are played at home against Cambodia and then away against Bahrain. Um, yeah, just to finish off, um, it's, it's good to be back on the podcast, you know, because it's been quite a long time. Hopefully we'll have one either coming out at the end of this month or we'll just see you for the, for the, the Cambodia and Bahrain games. As we said, hopefully, um, you know, everything gets sorted with women going to stadiums. Uh, we'll give our final condolences to Sarah Khodayari's family and friends. Um, and hopefully, we will see you very soon. Hi, this is Kat, and you're listening to Golbezan, and I hope you continue listening to their amazing podcast. Thank you all for the support. Love you, Golbezan.